was a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on February the 17th, 2009. For newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, and you'll find lots of previous talks I've given in the past, where I try to give you the shortcuts into the big picture of how this world is really run, not the way that the media or the cartoons would have you believe, and it's hard to tell which is which nowadays. Also look into Alan Watts Sentient Sentinel.eu for transcripts of these talks they've given, which you can download, print up, and they're written in the various languages of Europe. You can also go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and find out what's for sale there. That helps me to keep going. And this is probably one of the few shows where the audience brings me to the audience by the contributions and buying what I have for sale, which isn't much. We are on, as I say, we're on one, I've been a this for a long time actually, we're on one hell of a slippery slope down into the big abyss. And for many people going through the changes today, it all seems very bewildering. And that's how it's meant to be perceived by the public who get hit, like a boxer in a ring with a left and a right and a left and a right, until they're punch drunk. That's how media can be used as a weapon on the mind. It's a very powerful weapon. And it's not just a recent discovery either. It's been like that for probably centuries and centuries and centuries. I quoted a case not too long ago where a news agency was brought up on charges, mainly because they'd hired on people from the union, the journalist union, who were given a free hand to go into certain topics, but when it came to a certain topic, they were told to leave off of it. And it was to do with Monsanto, in fact. So they took the, their corporation to court, their employers to court, and it was decided there that there was no case because there are no laws that says that news or news media must tell the public the truth. And that's true. It never dawns on the general public that that's the case so because they try to give you a completely different impression. But news is a word, remember. What is new? Anything can be new. Social verbiage could be new. Complete disinformation is still new. It's news. They don't call it the truth. They call it news. And therefore, news tends to guide us and shape our minds along a predetermined path by those who understand the logic of the human mind and the logic of mass psychology. And I have gone into a lot of that over this last while to do with those who understand mass psychology, and it is taught in universities. People often go into the political sciences and basically mass psychology, different terms for the same thing, and marketing. It's all combined together. And, uh, and they end up with the top positions in media, regular media. They also end up in politics. 
and even the commentators on politics. It's all meant to keep the charade going because it truly is a charade. How on earth can you write an agenda over a hundred years ago and have big players publishing books on it? Big players who are involved in think tanks of their day, many of them scientists of their day, and they laid out the whole next hundred years and into the 21st century as to how they would have things transpire. And here we are living through it all, and it's all coming to pass. But the media would have you believe is, uh, everything is just a big accident, the accidental view of history. That's how simple it is to obfuscate reality. Back with more after the following break. Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. Just mentioning that the media would have us all believe that things happen by happenstance and by accident, and you have financial depression that comes out of the blue, and that we've got to go into a world system to rectify it all. And it's so interesting to read back on the setting up of the United Nations and the World Bank they have their, their World Economic Forums and so on. And Professor Carl quickly mentioned the pinnacle of this pyramid of power. He said really resided in the World Bank and the Department for International Settlements. It's, it's a form of international court, in a sense, which decides which countries will pay whom on what debts. And it's very interesting, too, uh, that uh, how come all the economists that, that supposedly get all the same science, the supposed science taught to them, can all be wrong pretty well all the time? Do you realize how many books have been printed on the Great Depression of the 20s and 30s and they claimed that the reason it failed was because governments did not put anything into the economy and try and bail out the banks. Now they're doing the reverse of it and the same thing's happening and yet we're told and we're expected to believe that no stipulations were put on these bankers when they were given these big bailouts. And they're all giving each other now golden parachutes with a billion dollars bonus here and there. Are they really so stupid at the top? That's what they'd have us believe, you see. The whole system is corrupt, and it's always been corrupt in this, this particular money system. It's based on corruption. In fact, the whole idea of having something in between two people who are bartering, a middleman with a coin, is the start of corruption, especially when the middleman decides what the value of your corn or your barley is going to be. That inevitably happens. As I say, the, the hand that borrows is underneath the hand that lends. Always. Old, old sayings going back for thousands of years, but we never seem to learn, we're told, and they just don't know how to fix it. Except that big players like Bertrand Russell talked about bringing in a future state, and he wasn't the only one, so was John Maynard Keynes, who gave us the economy we're running on now. That was part one. Part two was still to come. And they both agreed that eventually government would be in charge of dishing out tokens or rations to the public 
basically. And that's where we're heading. Why? It's because it was planned that way. It was planned that way. The same thing with the United Nations. United Nations was set up to be a front for world government. And it is a front that was set up as a front organization by the foundations and by Rockefeller, in fact. His family donated the land to the United Nations for their property to build the buildings on. And they still have a big play in what happens today. In fact, the Rockefellers give out global citizenship awards. Try and get your hands on the books published around the time of the setting up of the United Nations. Because at that time, the big politicians in every country were churning out books. And they all said that this was to lead to world government. Not just a world government where we'd all be happy and everyone would trade and so on. It's be a world government of total control and sustainability. With population controls. And with the Department of Agriculture of the United Nations eventually dishing out the ration of food to each country in order to keep the populations down. They would not up your quota if the population went up. And it's only by reading these old books do you come to understand that they've never changed. This agenda, come hell, war, or high water, it's never changed its direction. This article is from World Business Council for Sustainable Development. And it's published today, 17th February 2009. United Nations said food production may fall 25% by 2050. Now, I've read the articles from the big think tanks that advise the military in Britain and in the US, who both say that the population is to drastically decline by 2050. So here they are saying that food production may fall 25% by 2050. Reuters, who is basically Rockefeller, Rothschild, they own Reuters. 17th of February 2009, up to a quarter of global food production could be lost by 2050 due to the combined impact of climate change, land degradation and loss of water scarcity and species infestation, the UN said on Tuesday. The fall-off will strike just as 2 billion more people are added to the world's population, according to the UN's environmental program. That's UNEP. They've got a program for everything in the United Nations, which says cereal yields have stagnated worldwide and fish catches are declining. In a new report, it said a 100-year trend of falling food costs could be at the end and that the last year's sharp price rises had driven 110 million people into poverty. Prices may have eased from those peaks in many areas, but experts, the experts again, you see, say volatility combined with the impact of the global economic downturn has meant little respite for the poor. They really care about the poor, the UN. The UN, with, with its world bank and all the rest of it, has bankrupted more countries with its incredible loans and forcing these countries to use the modern methods of farming, which is all chemical-based, which degradates the land even faster, and drives them into poverty by, by buying the seed. If they buy the seed, it's all modified, you see. And it's got the terminator gene, so you can't save the seed and regrow. It's a, it's a, it's a con from beginning to end, this wonderful United Nations. 
and its World Bank and, and every other part that's got attached to it. And remember too, the United Nations has its own Department for Population Control. What do you think population control means? And here they are talking about the food that they want to be in charge of one day. It says we need to deal with not only the way the world produces food, but the way it is distributed. There you go. Sold and consumed. And we need a revolution, a revolution, uh, love revolutions that boosts yields by working with rather than against nature, said UNIP Executive Director Aiken Steiner. More than half the food produced worldwide today was either lost, wasted, or thrown away due to inefficiencies, he told a news conference at a major UN environment meeting in Kenya. There's evidence within the report that the world could feed the entire projected population growth alone by becoming more efficient while also ensuring the survival of wild animals, birds and fish on this planet. So it's tied in with the world and the environment and fish and insects and everything else. The UNEP's rapid response assessment released on Tuesday said world food prices were estimated to rise by 30 to 50% over the coming decades. While the global population is seen climbing to more than 9 billion from nearly 7 billion, they've been howling this message for 100 years when they were in the League of Nations. Howling the same message and have never been right in their goals and their targets ever since, even from the beginning. They've never ever been right. From the days of Thomas Malthus, who came up with the, the first massive uh, projections of increase in population with all these charts and these graphs and all the rest of it he's never, they've never been right but it doesn't stop them from, from yelling their nonsense to the general public the reason being that even you see even if, it was the, if the population of the world was only going to hit 5 billion they wanted to bring it down to less than 1 see that's their goal so you can't keep them happy by any means. Said here, price regulations for commodities should be introduced. So here they want price regulations, want price fixing. And larger cereal stocks set aside to guard against price volatility also called for safety nets to be established for those most at risk from hunger. Said more than a third of the world's cereals were used for animal feed and that this proportion was expected to rise to a half by 2050. Proposed using recycled food waste as an environment-friendly alternative. you got to remember, too, that governments and the UN have been into agriculture for an awful long time, setting the laws and regulations for all farming and setting the pace for farming. They've also been paying farmers for years not to grow anything sometimes in their fields. The farmers get kickbacks in, in the way of tax rebates and so on, exemptions. But then the government comes on and starts laying down the laws and rules. Meanwhile, you're, you're addicted to these tax exemptions. So the government runs your farm. And they've already said they want to eliminate meat from the diet of the world's population completely. That's under sustainability. You can go into the UN and, and read all you want. It's quite interesting. So why don't they bring all that in here too? And who forced the cattle on to eat all the recycled, uh, reconstituted food that they're on today? People
people who eat meat find there's hardly any taste in it at all these days because they've feeded the cat, animals it's all been changed same with chickens crack an egg it's like water comes out of it because they're all factory hens there's no free range there so here's the UN what's it said commodity prices and had the authority to do so for each country remember the UN has also said that the richer countries will always pay for the poorer so you can guarantee that they'll be increasing the prices in the western world and decreasing it in the third world back with more after these messages And they'd pull all your teeth out 
and they thought that somehow the bad humour was, was rising from your teeth and getting up into your brain. And that didn't stop them, because in the US they went even further at one point, and they whipped out whole organs as well, thinking, this is where this magic is residing, this thing that makes you go mad. They'd whip out spleens and everything, even stomachs occasionally, to cure mental illness. So they went through these crazy fads. Mind you, they put it across to the media, to the, to the people by the media, uh, with as much scientific backing, which would make it sound kind of plausible. They can make anything sound plausible using scientific terminology. So we always have to be careful of where anything's going. But when you do see something popping up time and time again through various reports, you have to take it seriously and know there's an agenda in place. Because the whole point of genetic research, and it's taught, in fact, and for, for all those who go into the study of genes, is taught from the beginning to do with evolution and superior types and inferior types of humanity. That's all part and parcel of their whole teaching program. So all geneticists come out believing there are inferior human beings and superior human beings, all predetermined by the genes they inherited. It cannot go any other way than to be, in, to be involved in eugenics. There's no other way these people can possibly choose because they're brainwashed. And to them, when you're a student, anything can be made believable. You think you're on the cutting edge. Why would anyone lie to you and program you so that you would carry out the dirty work down the future, down the road? I was looking into Britain. Britain has a department called the Home Office. The Home Office is probably the biggest police, official police building for the whole of Britain. That's the real high-level police, make all policies for police and criminals and so on, courts, etc. They deal with all immigration. And this is from their website, the Home Office. It says... It's the lead government department for immigration and passports, drugs policy, counterterrorism, and police. Then they're going to say who and, and what they do, who they are and what they do. And they've got lots of different things you can look up. All about freedom of information, um, what the Home Office is doing to safeguard your, your persons during a, an era of terrorism and all this kind of stuff. So and they're into nothing but policing, you'd think, right? That's what you'd think. But then you go into the links that they have there in DNA. Check it out. Because it starts off, it starts off looking at DNA fingerprinting and all this kind of stuff, which we say, okay, they're into law enforcement. But then they go into the other areas they're into, like, like studying lizards to see about their genetic traits and how they can move into new territories and stuff like this and see what they have in common with humans. And this is no pun. I know there's a lot of folk out there right now talking about space aliens and abductees, etc. But this, this is stuff that the Home Office is actually looking into to see how they can understand humans and manipulate them by understanding different animals. The Home Office, the police, back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
talking about the Home Office, it reminds me of DARPA. DARPA has come out with different little exercises they've been up to to do with brain implants for helping paraplegics. But look into DARPA and see what their, their purpose is supposed to be. They're not in the business of helping paraplegics, but they certainly are into the business of security. How do you make the world secure? You must make everyone predictable. How do you do that? Apart from massive indoctrination and propaganda, etc., well, definitely a chip would be the answer, wouldn't it? So here we're at the Home Office in Britain. It's in charge of all the police faculties for Britain and, and what they're into, and for the country, actually. It's, uh, and here they are. Here's one of the things they're into is unstable DNA and human disease. This is police. The guys issue the passports and we can check you out and so on. This is from Monday, February 27th, 2006. There's a whole bunch of them here. That, uh, and it's what their full-time staff are involved in this. A number of inherited human disorders, including myotonic dystrophy and Huntington disease, Huntington's disease are associated with highly mutable genes. We're using genetically modified mice to understand why the genes in these disorders are so unstable and how we might use this information to provide effective therapies. Why are the police involved in going into genetic research to this extent? It's nothing to do with what they say, obviously, because that's not what police do. Well, actually, police, I mean also MI5. They're interlocked, Scotland Yard and all the rest of them. It's a growing number of inherited human disorders, including myotronic dystrophy, fragile X syndrome, Huntington's disease, Friedrich ataxia, and several of the spinal cellular ataxias are associated with the expansion of a repeated segment of DNA within the gene. This is police. All of these disorders are associated with extreme clinical variability and unusual inheritance patterns within families. You see, what they're really into is to try to... Remember I mentioned before that... The eugenic societies set up the departments that do the census, and they said, and I've read from their articles, that this, the purpose was to collect information to see who were genetically fit and who were genetically unfit. That was the, the prime purpose of the census being started up in the U.S. and across the world. And they were into inherited traits. They even believed that you had poverty genes. Well, the big thing today in police and all these agencies is to do with inheriting criminal disorders. Now, remember, criminal disorders can range from smashing windows and grabbing the jewelry and running off to being a social, a sociopathic type to also being, as what the Soviets had, you were a political dissenter. You might be against some policy in the government. You're classified as mentally ill. And this is the, this is the whole area that masses of money and scientists are, 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 are doing, are using, being used for, to go into inherited traits. Nothing to do with mice or helping Huntington's disease. You already have big institutions dealing with those things and have been for forever and coming up with no real cure to it. It's, it's obvious in genetic research, and I knew this years ago when I was pretty small, the little I knew about it, I thought, how is that going to be the, the big cure-all for the future, as they were saying then? Because once you were born, the genes were all there, uh, the good ones and defective ones. The only way to cure them would be to stop you being born, obviously. 
Well, how you, how do you do that? You must get databases of DNA samples from everyone, which they have. And that's really what they're into with the police. They're trying to discern who is a potential criminal. To know in advance who could be a possible criminal. That's really what it's all about. They're even into another one. It's called unstable DNA and human disease. And one about to, to do with problems of the heart, hypertension. Hypertension. Who's got the, who's got the defective genes that, will, that could possibly bring about hypertension? Then they go into all this research they're doing. This is the police, for goodness sake. It's nothing to do with what they're telling us. It's to do with the agenda. That, that's obvious to me. It's the whole agenda at work. And this ties in with many of the articles I've read in the past. You cannot have a world that really is unpredictable. That's out the window. They want everyone to be completely predictable for a world they can totally control. And here's an article here. And it's from Hope of the Wicked again. This is not a bad book for giving you a condensed version of what's been happening over the last hundred years. It says UN Agenda, page 314. The United Nations confers non-governmental organization status on those groups most closely aligned with the global agenda. A primary example of this is IPPF. It's ironic that IPPF has been given status as a non-governmental organization because it would not be able to exist without government subsidies. A lot of these people get not only the foundation subsidies, but also government subsidies as well. Which tells you there are policies within government that carry on regardless of changes of government. And it's really within the higher bureaucracies that this UN world agenda is carried through. It says here, IPPF applied for NGO status with the United Nations in 1955. At that time, opposition by governments with significant Roman Catholic populations lobbied to reject the status for IPPF. By 1964, world attitudes had been manipulated to a sufficient degree that IPPF was successful in its bid. By 1973, when the United Nations held the World Population Conference in Mexico, IPPF obtained the highest status of any affiliated NGO within the world body. IPPF consists of national affiliates in over 150 countries worldwide. IPPF has released an international publication called MESO. Its promotional material indicates that MESO equals nothing but the truth about sex. MESO has published surveys conducted in 54 countries. Respondents to the surveys ranged in age from 14 to 24 were questioned on the subjects of friendship, love, early marriage, contraception, and pregnancy. MESO is described as a youth magazine designed to promote information on sexual abuse, homosexuality, abortions, sexually transmitted diseases, and all aspects of sexual relationships for young people. In a July 1997 IPPF press release, it says, you speak out on a World Population Day, on World Population Day. They actually have a World Population Day in the United Nations. The results of the above-mentioned survey was, were discussed 
a 14-year-old boy from New Zealand, indicative of many of today's people, expressed his view on sexuality this way. He says, it's my life, my body, my choice. Now, that's the slogan, you see. Everything you'll hear that comes out of the UN is based on slogans. And you cannot talk with people who are indoctrinated with slogans. All they can do is repeat them to you, generally in a very angry manner. IPPF believes that pre-adolescents and teenagers need to fully explore their sexuality. Young people have the right to express themselves and the right to make their own decisions. It is our duty to help them realize these rights. It's amazing, too, that they might make all these decisions for themselves, but it's the adult population that pay the taxes that end up paying for the fallouts of all these decisions. Isn't it? The UN Fund for Population Activities praises China's exceptionally high implementation rate and high commitment to population control methods such as abortion is mandatory there. The Liberal New Republic recently said the UN acted with extreme slowness in Ethiopia regarding that nation's famine and then supported the government so many more died. Much UN food aid went to the military instead of the people. In Somalia, the UN stayed away when other relief agencies tried to help. When the UN finally got involved, there were many problems. In Rwanda, the UN helped the armed militias, which had killed almost a million people, take control of numerous refugee camps. One private aid official said the UN took the lead in supporting these militias, the ones who killed the other ones off. In 1969, former Secretary General of the UN, Uthan, said, I do not wish to seem overdramatic, but I can only conclude that from the information that's available to me, that the members of the UN have perhaps 10 years left in which to subordinate their ancient quarrels and launch a global partnership to defuse the population explosion and to supply the required momentum to development efforts. In 1987, the UN released a report called Our Common Future, claiming that in order to achieve sustainable development, lifestyle habits must be radically altered and closely regulated by government at all levels. Well, that's what we're seeing coming into view now, under the guise of economic crash. We will gradually go down the roads to the government dishing out our rations for us. That's all on the cards. That's what they've always wanted. It says here, Central planning was necessary under the UN's environmental bureaucracy. The UN and the IPPF have had long-term unspoken agendas to eliminate the population of Africa. In preparing for the 21st century, that's the name of it, Paul Kennedy described how overpopulation represented a threat to the nation-state and the large transnational corporations. Former Washington Governor Dixie Ray said an environmental overkill the future is to be the world government with central planning by the United Nations. If force is needed, it will be provided by a UN green-helmeted police force. Already, there is the UN Commission on Sustainable Development, the UN Global Environmental Facility, and the UN Agenda 21. The UN is ready to regulate the world to achieve a sustainable environment. Jacques Cousteau said Jacques Cousteau in his journal Calypso Log. This is what he said. The guy who loved fish and little animals. 
it was necessary to create an international environmental police green helmets who would be under the direction of the UN. Our planet needs guardians. Remember the guardians from Plato again? Free from constraints of national sovereignty. Cousteau also said they'd have to drastically kill off thousands and th- multiply thousands per day to save the world. Interesting, too, when you go into Jacques Cousteau's history, because here he was working with Britain, uh, doing undersea diving with commandos, testing out his, his new um, aqualung. While his brother ran the newspaper in Vichy, France, that was all pro-Nazi. You'll find this over and over again, the same thing cropping up, over and over again. It's astonishing. It says here, so the planet needs guardians free from the constraints of national sovereignty. Foreign Affairs published an article with the ominous title, The Population Threat in Living Within Limits, Ecology, Economics, and Population Taboos. Garrett Hardin said, the issue of coercion must be faced. Loss of freedom is an inevitable consequence of unlimited population growth. It's terrible to have to say this. He says, world population must be stabilized, and to do that, we must, this is from Cousteau, we must eliminate 350,000 people per day. That's what he came up with, to save a little funny animals and stuff. In one year, that would equal 127 million people killed. So I guess it would step up the wars, eh? At the UN Earth Summit in Rio, Cousteau said we have 10 years to solve the overpopulation problem, and he urged drastic, unconventional decisions. The horrible truth is that there are individuals behind the New World Order who plan to exterminate vast numbers of people so that the elite will have a new world that meets with their approval. Covert action and other sources report that AIDS is really germ warfare, and I, I would dispute that. Then there's far more to it than just AIDS today. Far more to it. It's interesting. Britain has, has Porton Downs. That was the biggest military, bacterial, and viral warfare institution, probably in a good part of the world. And a few years ago, they came out with, they found that a man walked his dog around the perimeter, picked up a tick from the grass, and he was dead within 24 hours. And they called it, I think it was the Q virus he'd picked up, a deadly virus carried by ticks. We also find there are different diseases in Canada and the U.S. There's Lyme's disease. And others saying that Lyme's disease now can also be carried, apart from ticks, by mosquitoes as well. I guess they've improved it. When you go into Canada's uh, and its secret war, Canada's deadly allies, you find out that Canada led the charge for bacterial and viral warfare during and after World War II. We were way ahead of anybody else in use of mosquitoes and other things as well. Now we've got John from Florida on the line. Are you there, John? Uh, hello, Alan. Hello. Yes. Um, Earlier in your show, you talked about uh, the different foods and the way they tasted um, and you mentioned eggs. Um, I've been to South America five times in the last two years, and the food does taste different down there. But question, when I go to the grocery store and I buy, um, i got it right in front of me, four-grain, cage-free brown eggs, is that also genetically modified? or? 
It, it depends. The ones that are modified and the ones that are fed nothing but the modified corn, uh, well, well, it's like water running out of the egg. If you got a good egg and it was a, it was a Mennonite that proved this, you could pick up the raw egg after cracking it from the pan without it falling apart in his hand, literally. That's yeah. how thick it should be. And you'll seldom see that anymore, you see. Yeah. I, I, I kind of caught my attention because, and the food does taste different. The beef, the chicken, everything tastes different down there. And I just came back uh, the middle of January. Um, I was down in uh, Colombia uh, for through the New Year. and uh, But the food does taste different down there. You're right. Yes, it does. It does. You know, and, and where do you go? Happens. Where do you buy? I mean... Yeah, uh, unless you can get your own game uh, and so on. You know something, too? The, the big agricultural departments and the fisheries commissions in countries like Canada have also been taking fish from the lakes and literally altering their DNA. And I watched a documentary on this from the government, and I couldn't believe it, how fast they could accomplish this one fish after another. This touched it to this thing that, that put a... A, a, an E. coli attached to new DNA that right into the cells of the fish and let them go. It only took a matter of a, a second per fish. And, and I thought they're altering everything. And they claimed that as the old cells of the fish died off, the new DNA would take over, and the fish is literally re-engineered into a different different type. Yeah. That's how far they've gone with things. It's scary, actually. It is terrifying, yeah. And no, no answer given. We're back after... It's great. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. Going on about the odd things that are happening in the world, including the Home Office of Britain, that generally to do with passports and immigration and all the different laws that are on the books concerning the public criminal laws are into all these experimentations that scientists on board doing all these odd things to do with the habits of different creatures, hoping that they can apply these to humans as well by understanding the animals. It doesn't say much for us, does it? But they also even go further than that. They're right into the, the genes of people. They want more than just the data on genes. They want to know why you tick, what makes you tick, and, and they want to know your whole family history. It's interesting, too, that a lot of websites put up trace your family genealogies, and in they all go, just like the, uh, that they are, and put all their data up for these agencies to collect. Who do you think that's all going to? And why is it up there for free? It's astonishing that people don't think they just jump in. If it says free, they jump right in there. And it also tells you that it, today, people really don't care much about privacy. It's almost a useless appendage that they've been left over from the, the ape phase, apparently. And they want to get rid of it as fast as they can. You'll see that everywhere. You'll see that at checkout counters where people will ask, ask for information that's personal. It's voluntary, really, but they just hand it out right away without even a question. They don't really care, or they don't even care who's listening. That's society today. It's called the open society, where nothing will be secret, and everyone will be an open book, except for those that run the world. 
you know, the true guardians who run the world and retain their wild survival capabilities, it looks like the rest of the public are going down quickly. We had the spraying on going above our heads, started full-time in Canada in 98, although we were doing it for years before that in tests. And you watch the people get more and more relaxed and tired and laissez-faire the more spraying they get. We're under world at war attack. World war. It's a war on the entire planet. And no one wants to really talk about it, especially the mainstream media. There is one newspaper in Britain uh, that you can send your photographs to, and maybe I'll try and remember that tomorrow, so that you can send your photographs to them on the heavy spring, and they'll print it for you. That's the only one I've seen that's willing to do this. Meanwhile, people will jump on any video that's put out there that brings in space aliens and weird and wacky stuff without, without, without doing any investigation to see if anything is truly factual or not. And I remember that the old days when people used to sit in front of the television with lots of channels to salute to choose from, and they'd flick from one to the next. They'd get a phrase in one and they'd flick to the next and flick. People are doing the same now with the Internet and they become mind-bombed. I think it puts them into a more suggestible state than ever. And anything that truly fascinates them becomes the answer for today's problems, or the causes, at least. They're so willing to jump on all kinds of utter nonsense. Sad, isn't it? But that's psychological warfare, isn't it? It works very well. Guard your mind. No one else is doing it for you. Well, from Hamish myself in Ontario, Canada... It's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.